Welcome to the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast with your spooky hosts, Tyler W. Moore, you love. Oh, God. <laughs> Hi, I'm Beth. I'm not doing what you just did. I am David, you love. <laughs> was that bad? Really... Was that bad enough? Or, like, was it Tyler-level bad? That was perfectly terrible. Okay, good. As you can tell, we're going to be talking about Gilmore Girls a year in the life today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, anti-vaxxer documentaries. (laughs) Can we do that, please? (laughs) So, uh, today we are doing our second Halloween special. Uh, So, uh, and what are we talking about today, Beth? We're talking about Dracula. We're talking about The Bride of Frankenstein, and we're talking about The Wolfman. All the classic universal monster movies uh, from back in like the 30s and 40s. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a good time. Thank so. God. Yeah. That's better than what I thought <laughs> was happening. Are we going to talk about uh, like Dracula Untold and I, Frankenstein? Uh, please no. <laughs> <laughs> if we do that, I quit. <laughs> Not just the podcast, but the seen company. Of those anyway. <laughs> so, the first movie we're talking about is Dracula. And uh, so, I want to ask everybody, every, everyone in the class, like, what have they seen this movie before? When's the last time they saw it? All that, all that good stuff. Um. So this was my first time seeing it fully. Uh. And I have to say, after seeing it, a lot of the weird stereotypes make a lot more sense. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so this was my first time seeing it. I can't recall another time where I... I don't even know if I ever watched, like... Normally, I at least watch bits and pieces of movies. But honestly, I know nothing about, like, you know, Dracula and Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Yeah. I, I just... I guess I skipped over vampires. How about you, David? So, actually, I'm kind of excited to say this. I have never seen uh, the 1931 Dracula, but um, I'm actually a huge fan of the novel. So, I was very familiar with all the key points, and I've seen um, a lot of the follow-ups to this particular version, but I've never actually seen the Bela Lugosi um, 1931 Dracula, and I was super excited to see it. The last time I saw this one was uh, around this last, this, the same time I saw uh, Frankenstein the last time before we did that on last the last Halloween special. Uh, about when I was 15, uh, I remember specifically the last time I saw it was um, I was in high school and um, it was being played on AMC around 4 a.m., <laughs> And I, like, I don't know if I woke up, I think I woke up early to watch it, and I was drifting in and out. <laughs> you didn't drift in and out this time, though. So probably, like, one of the greatest things about these movies, um, I'm a big pacing guy. Uh, one of my, like, one of my keynotes on every single movie we talk about is pretty much going to be, like, is the, you know, is the pacing good, or is it terrible? Uh, the pacing's always really good in all of these movies. They get right the fuck to it. <laughs> they don't dick around. They like they know what you're there for, and they get you interested. Right. No. Yeah. Um, with all these movies, I was surprised by how quickly I saw the mon- like any of the monsters. It doesn't take you an hour before you like before even like the main themes are like present. Like you know what's going on in the first ten minutes. Which is nice, because, like, around this time of year, you like to watch a lot of Halloween spooky stuff. So you can get through a bunch of them. Yeah, and you can't cram it all in one, but with these, you can. You just knock them all out at once. I did that last (laughs) night. Um, (laughs) Holy Uh, shit, did you watch all three at once? uh, Yes, I watched all three and then some, actually. I was on a roll and just kept watching things. but uh, That's great. Yeah, it was awesome, and I will say that um, pacing is something that I definitely noticed with these in particular. Um, Mm -hmm. And I will say that obviously there's a need for that because they were only so long back then. Um, They met the bare minimum of of what you would call a feature film, you know, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, these are like each probably like an hour, ten minutes or so. Yes. Yeah, that's what I noticed. So let's just talk about real quick Bella Lugosi, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, <laughs> because uh, he's 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 a pretty good Dracula. He's a pretty good Drac. Right. I don't know why. Um, again, I haven't really seen much of Dracula, but my impression of Dracula, like just from watching him from like, I don't know, like, I guess cartoons or hearing mm-hmm. stories or, you know, hearing impressions of Dracula. I thought he was actually going to be like this really like luring, romantic, charming character, mm-hmm. but he's actually just really freaky and I don't want to go anywhere near it's- <laughs> He doesn't it's, blink. It's definitely more like that in this version. He's creepier in this version, whereas, like, I think he is charming in other... Right. Well, that's what made me it. so happy about this one, is... Um, okay, so I... If you ever talk to me about Dracula and, you know, Bram Stoker's novel and all of the movie adaptations that exist because of that novel, the the very common theme that you'll find is this very victorian like over sexualization of vampires in general which i am a firm believer that that did not exist in the novel like i've read it you know probably six times now and you know everything that everyone is like ooh, this is this is about like the relationships between men and women and this is about alluring and this is about sex no i don't see any of it mostly because i see it as other themes you know and it just kind of depends on where you're standing, obviously, um, the observer makes the fact. That's how it always is. But, um, you know, with this in particular, I was like, yes, he's fucking creepy. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I mean, you get the idea that he is, in fact, alluring to them. And that's part of, like, who his character is because he's a vampire. But it's not mm-hmm. an over-sexualization of that aspect, which I appreciate, honestly. Right. Like, he definitely does have still, like, even a little bit of charm to him. Um, in this, I feel like he doesn't really need to, like, uh, yeah. romantic, because he, he just controls them. Like. Yeah, like, he he, uh, he has, like, the little lights on his eyes, which uh, which is a great effect. Yeah, that, that's, like, uh, what all I could think about when you were talking about that, David, was the fact that, like, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of him, like, uh, being this charming guy. Uh, and that's like what that's what brings people in initially, and then he's able to do it. There's there's versions that do that very well. Oh sure, yeah. Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, starring um, Gary Oldman, that was yeah. a way better version than I had seen in a long time. So, uh, uh, did did you like Keanu Reeves' performance in that movie? Nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> I didn't. I really, really, really didn't, and I feel very strongly about that. But I liked Gary Oldman, and that's what matters. Inferno. <laughs> Dear God. Um. Anyway, because we'll uh, no, as you were as you were talking about, it, I just thought like, yeah, he really doesn't need to charm anyone, because yeah, he just gives him a fucking dead-eyed stare with no blinking, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he suddenly has control of him, uh, which let's just talk about someone who's great in almost all of these movies, especially in this one, Dwight Fry. Yes, he, uh, he plays he plays Redfield in this one. He's uh, Fritz in the first Frankenstein mm-hmm. movie, and he's uh, fucking Carl or something. <laughs> like he's the assistant again, but a different character in Bride of Frankenstein. That's what threw uh, me off, but we'll get to Bride later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is so good in this movie. He actually gets a chance to shine here uh, because, you know, like, everyone just thinks he's fucking crazy. But he's been controlled by Dracula. He's trying to break free of it. And just, like, his laugh makes you, like, so uncomfortable. It's so great. I'll tell you right now. Um, He's creepier I, than Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Say that. Say that much. Well, I missed Renfield references. He's not in every single Dracula movie because his character um, kind of gets split up into, like, different attributes and placed with other characters, um, whether that's for time or for plot, whatever. Um, but I was so excited to see that he was the basically the first character that you see um mm-hmm. and just his transformation throughout 
the entire plot of the movie is absolutely amazing. Um, not only his performance, but the writing and just everything that has to do with, you know, the atmosphere that he creates while he's on screen is just absolutely amazing. And this, like, I feel like it shares a lot more similarities to something like Nosferatu than it does to other. Uh, have you ever have you ever seen Nosferatu, David? I have, and I actually very much like Nosferatu way better than I like most vampire films. I I think I might like it more than I'd have to revisit it, but I think I might like it more than this one, uh, just because of like it goes crazy directing wise. But uh, that's those are German silent films for you, right? Uh, it it, it kind of follows that same sort of structure plot wise, um, just with Renfield, just uh, the the first scene where like he's just coming into the castle. The whole time you're just thinking like. Dude, there's a whole sheet of webs. Right. And you're, you're having to walk through it. Like, what what about this seems like a good idea? Uh, my fa- One of my favorite quotes of the movie is, I never drink twice. <laughs> oh. I will say with the the I never drink twice thing, um, I thought he said I don't drink wine. Like, or I never drink wine. Because he's offering him wine. Oh, Was I wrong? Maybe that's what... I don't know. I, maybe I misheard it. It I, works either way, though. Right, because he goes, oh, no, I never drink wine. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, so what do you drink, dude? Quick editor's note. Uh, it is, in fact, I never drink wine. So uh, there you go, David. And it's so I, I thought that there was, like, this awkward pause, and I really liked it. But, you know, I never drink twice is even more, like, profound. Um, I only drink cum. Because, well, in both ways, I guess, like, both ways are implying that, like, oh, I drink blood. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. drink blood, bitch. I never drink wine, but I drink blood. I never drink twice because I've already drank blood. (laughs) Y'all. Speaking Um, of drinking blood, by the way, um, first of all, just... You drank dog blood in high school to get into that club once. uh, That's true. The Magic Boy Club. (laughs) The Magic Boy Club. (laughs) <laughs> I'm still a card carrying member. A um, Nambla? Um but anyway, with the blood. Uh sorry. I was trying to get where was I? Oh yes, okay. Um <laughs> No, it's okay. I just kept derailing you there. <laughs> it's all right. Um so the references to um blood being the life and of spiders and flies, you know, and the fact that Renfield is like obsessed with the consumption of life. Um, it's mentioned very early on when he first meets Dracula, and then all of a sudden it's one of the main themes with his character in particular. And I thought that was amazing because that's one of the first things that you come across when you read the book. Like, that's the mm-hmm. most striking scene that you come across after you initially visit Dracula's castle, is you are in like a uh, a psychiatrist's room with this crazy fucking character who's talking about eating flies for their uh for their life you know mm-hmm. and it's just crazy yeah. um so yeah it filled me with chills the fact that there's no music in half of these uh scenes um because i was watching well i was watching the original so like there's no philip glass score anywhere right and that's the that's the version the version we watched. Uh, we have a box set of Universal Monster movies on Blu-ray. Okay. Uh, yeah. They did such an amazing job remastering a lot of these movies. Some of them they didn't put as much effort into. Uh, right. But like like Dracula and Frankenstein on that set are amazing. Uh, a lot of the other ones are also really good. I need to get some, get to some of the others. But um, I don't know. I while. I, there's only a couple scenes in Frankenstein where I thought, like, this could really use some score. I agree. Whereas this one, I was just thinking the whole time, like, man, this, you know what would make this movie better is some music. Because <laughs> uh, it, it was, and it was just because, like, a lot of people, because, like, we watched it with Chris, and he was commenting on how slow it was. I was like, it's not slow. It's, like, it's going by pretty fast. Right. Pacing-wise. Uh, and Scott... Uh, was telling me, because we were talking about Dracula before we watched it, and uh, he was like, do you think it's slow? I was like, I don't think it's slow. And as I was watching, I was like, it's 
like it's just really really quiet yes and it's because there's no music in there and there's just a lot of uh white noise i get it yeah absolutely and if you think about it i think that that's part of um the way that they were able to set the tone for this type of movie um was you know including an absence of music and yes i've heard the scores uh for the um for this one because like i said i was on a roll so i was like very curious i was like okay i've seen the name philip glass several times in my life let's go ahead and see what this you know see what some of how these scenes it, how look is like that version uh it's it's bracing and it's fun but again i like this just a little bit better and the reason why i think is um i could only feel my breath in the room you know what i mean like there are times where you're like oh fuck but you don't have music (laughs) telling you oh fuck you have just your breath and the the pacing to the strength of the filmmaking well yeah absolutely um and i mean i agree with you with frankenstein i think there were some weak moments that definitely could have been strengthened specifically with a score but um with this i will say i'm probably in disagreement with you just that i liked it without better um and you know either way is fine obviously and i i enjoyed it totally with the score as well so you know um you know the movie metropolis like the 1920s movie um, yeah there uh there's the version uh fucking the guy who composed scarface did like one in the 1980s where he like made music for it he got a bunch of artists together to make uh, songs for it um and it's it's fairly cool a lot of the tracks are just kind of thrown in there at random times uh i definitely prefer watching that version over like you know just the dead silent one but uh like the whole time all i could think about was like you know what would make this movie better sound right (laughs) not necessarily dialogue but just like it's so industrial it's like i i want sound effects in this movie sure and it's like these are these are things that I'm asking for that they could just not provide for me at the time. Well, I I mean, it's been a long fucking time since I've seen Metropolis, but I feel like I get what you're like yeah. nodding at, you know. Uh, before we move on from the castle, I will say one of the most visually striking scenes for me was all the vampire concubines were in white and Dracula's in black and he's like warding them off with just his arm and it was just like very very impressive i really liked that that shot in particular but anyway mm-hmm. that was just something i don't know if you guys remember that right away but um yeah no i know exactly what you're talking about yeah it was just it, it was very moving it wasn't like a lot of the other composed shots of the castle it was very different and i liked that a lot um have you ever seen the spanish version david no, I saw an option for it, but I didn't rent that one. Because, uh, like, okay, I don't know if you know much about, like, how, like, anything about it, but it was, for anyone who's curious, it was shot on the exact same, it's a different movie, it's shot on the exact same sets with different actors, like, Spanish-speaking actors, like, same script and everything, but apparently it's better. Oh. And... I found out it's on our Blu-ray, so I want to check it out one of these days. <laughs> Hell yeah! And I think you watched. I think you watched some clips, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you know, it starts off by saying, I guess dubbing wasn't a very big thing back then, so they were trying to make it. You know, they were trying to reach out to as many people as possible. And yeah, I saw an interview with the the girl who had played the Spanish version of the main lady Mm -hmm. and she said you know it was a different movie because basically it it had everything that the one we just talked about didn't which isn't always necessarily a bad thing because you know what we just talked about it had its merits yeah that's that's the word uh merits um but this one you know i think i think this one was like supposed to be a little more romantic it was a little sexier um they had her like in the English version, the girl was, like, all covered up. In the Spanish version, she was a yeah, lot Yeah, they don't more. give a shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was definitely a lot more expressive. The Dracula, just, like, you know, he blows me away with, like, his expressions. Um, so I think that's a lot of it. But other than that, I'm really not sure. Because I, I had seen 
Um, you know, I was reading over, like, the comments, and people said, um, one reason that they didn't like it was because they used some footage from the English-speaking version, and it would not make sense, like, um, they use, uh, the English-speaking Dracula's, uh, three wives in one scene, and then the Spanish-speaking Dracula's three wives in another scene, and so oh, it's wow. like, oh, yes, yeah, six wives, so... You know, stuff like that. And I mean... <laughs> like you said, it's a sexy Dracula. He's got six wives, dude. Six, I, I believe it. <laughs> um, <laughs> can, where I, can I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that one eventually. It, it's been a while since I've seen this one. Like, if I had to complain about one more thing, there is a uh, specific cast member that does a really horrible job... Um, and uh, I, I don't know, I don't remember the character's name, but I like to call him Dick Van Dyke because he has the worst British accent I've ever heard in my life. Was the guy there... with the mustache. Oh, was it um, Dr. Seward? It's probably him. I, I don't remember hearing a god-awful British accent, but maybe I just wasn't looking for it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I was just paying attention to every other little, like thing that was firing off in my brain while i was watching this movie i'm gonna have to watch it again <laughs> another ex- just need an excuse um probably the best two scenes in the movie though uh getting to the best parts uh the the shot with the mirror yes. I think it's like a cigar box or whatever they like you can see that dracula is not in the reflection uh they were very proud of it because they showed it a lot but they had every right to be because it was very cool um i had completely forgotten it somehow and it's like it's the best it's one of the best parts of the movie uh alongside the scene near the end on the staircase yeah that that is just some really cool shit just both of those are like some of the best dracula moments in the movie i have to say i was noting that you know i mean i obviously compared it to frankenstein a lot because same year same studio or uh yep yeah i mean same producer yeah exactly and so it was it was interesting for me because frankenstein i noticed right away it was much more experimental with camera placement and cinema uh, cinematography in general but there were mm-hmm. some amazing shots that i i guess i forgot about in dracula um specifically that staircase scene or that staircase shot um both times it was just absolutely striking absolutely any any uh final thoughts beth um out of the three we watched i have to say this one was probably my favorite um so that's good and not i think we just about covered everything for me um how uh so what's your what's your jamie rating um, I think I'm going to go ahead and give this a 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, how about you, David? Oh, I'm giving it an 8.5. For this one in particular, I'm going to, I'm probably just going to say a 7 as well. It's very good. Like you said, it's, it's hard to compare it to Frankenstein. It's a different kind of story. Sure. Uh, different kind of monster movie. Uh, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty damn close. It's, it's really good. And the, all but one performance is great. <laughs> so uh, it, it has a very great atmosphere, and uh, it's definitely it's definitely one of the go-tos when you're looking for an old spooky movie. <laughs> yeah, there were no uh, characters that I really had a problem with, like in the next one we're about to talk about. Oh, God. Moving on to Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> Uh, so when you ta- when you're talking about uh, characters you don't like, are you talking about the stupid old bird who wouldn't stop flapping her gums in every scene? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she just she was completely pointless. I'm like she's not funny. What she's saying. She was supposed to be. Right. And like what she's saying doesn't really. It's like, did you need to say that, or is that relevant to anything? Um, you know, if we want to talk about Dick Van Dyke real quick, <laughs> because <laughs> she she's got an appalling accent. Uh, just God, she's oh, it's Minnie. Around... <laughs> <She's laughs> like she's so... not in the first movie. Yeah, I don't think. No, Why is she I such an don't remember character? seeing her. Yeah, like she's like a nameless extra that just won't buzz off. <laughs> <laughs> I really just wanted the monster to bash her fucking brains in. Yeah, <laughs> like could he just like could she just get in his way <laughs> while he's angry? Did she ever die? <laughs> nope. 
Yeah, that, well, and I kept waiting for it to happen. I'm like, she has to be one of the ones that, like, like the, if anyone. He has they to didn't know her. anything about viewer satisfaction back in the day. <laughs> That's okay. They were still learning. You make it. You make an annoying character. You slaughter them. Uh, anyway, but uh, my one of my first notes about this movie was now he's pissed. <laughs> right. Uh, which is like, I, I love how uh, how this movie ha- like handles being a follow up to the first one. Um, I've I've never seen this before. This is my first time seeing this. By the way, I don't know about you guys. If you want to go around the room real quick, Beth. Um, this was my first time seeing The Bride of Frankenstein. And David, have you seen this one before? So I've not seen Bride, no. But I've seen Frankenstein a couple of times, so. Yeah, okay. I've always heard that this is better than the first one. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, having seen it now. Yeah, somebody done lied to you. But, dude, I fucking, like, I really like a lot of things about this movie like yeah just coming off of the the last one it's a little ridiculous having uh having henry come back in here just because of how the last one ended although it did show him making a recovery um which was obviously like a cop-out ending like oh shit we can't we, we can't go too far but at least it got him in this one i suppose which having colin clive in this movie is is fine even if he's not in it very much they have a new actress playing the wife, yep. um, and she is so much better. Agreed. The whole cast in this one, except for, you know, uh, the old bird, is great. Um, <laughs> uh, but speaking of the last one, um, there this movie starts off with a pretty good idea, considering there's no home video at the time, a way to show the events of the first movie. Uh, they have... Mary Shelley, uh, basically in an introduction scene, like kind of telling what happened. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. I really, really liked that. And of course the same person who plays Mary Shelley is the person who plays, uh, the bride at the end. But, um, man, it is, that's such a great way to start the movie and recap everything. But probably like one of the biggest things I noticed (laughs) coming right off of Dracula, uh, the music is a welcome change. The music is very good in this movie. I think that it definitely fit this type of movie. Yes. But um, I'll get into why I didn't feel like it still um, was as optimized, I guess, is the word, um, as it could have been um, as a movie. But I will say that I loved the, vaude- the vaudeville-type intro for both this one and for the original um you know because in the original one this guy walks out from a curtain and is like hey so what you're about to see is really freaky um you know and it's like i love the intro of the last one too <laughs> yeah it's amazing it's just i i don't know um it really helps set the tone for the the era that you're watching this movie yes for um not necessarily the tone but um I think that this one did a better job with the tone uh, as far as, like, the intro setting some sort of, like, expectation. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. a lot more macabre language being used. um, And other than a few moments where, you know, there's cheesy pageant-like things going on, um, very, like, theatrical, um, other than that, I, I think that it was very well handled. So, skipping ahead a little bit, um... There, once we meet the uh, Dr. Pretorius. Pretorius. Once we meet him and we go into his lab, we get like one of the coolest effects I have uh, seen in a movie this old, um, which is like the small people in jars. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm like, I was like watching it, racking my brain. Wait, how at this point in time were they doing that? And it's like I'm sure there's some amount of like rear view projection, in it, but like there's a point where he picks him up, uh, like picks up one of the little guys, and it was just blowing my mind, man. I thought it was so cool. It's um, very awesome, and I think that probably what they did was uh, maybe record from a crane and have you know wires on stage, you know, as they're recording mm-hmm. these guys. Maybe. But, like, yeah, just, like, I think all of us, while we were watching that, were just floored by that scene. 
but Dr. Pretorius as a character and as the kind of the antagonist of this movie is just so great. Mm-hmm. He's he's such a, a fucking slime ball. <laughs> well, no, I love how in this movie there's even crazier freaks than mm-hmm. Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, who kind of uh, sort of share his, like, in, like even Henry's just like, you know, uh, oh, listen, I'm, I'm f- fool me once. <laughs> I'm not, I screwed up once. Like, he was just like, oh, well, he's just like, uh, you know, Henry's the one who, like, he's known for, like, wanting to play God or what. I mean, not even that, just, like, yeah, science. But, you know, everyone else is going to see it as, like, either witchcraft or playing God. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at this guy like, no, this is black magic. I'm not going <laughs> yeah. anywhere near this. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like what you're getting at there, partner. Um, I'm but... going to say right now that um, the special effects not only hold up really well for a 1930s film. Yes. Um, you know, the ones that are obviously included, a lot of it is still practical effects, which is, ugh, it just, wow, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You you can't really get the same effect unless you're, you know, spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to get that effect through special effects. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, again, for this type of budget and everything, like, um, it's holding up amazingly well. But one thing I did notice, and this is true of, you know, sci-fi and horror films um, throughout the decades, is you have this... Uh, you have this need to first create like establishing shots, which happened a lot for um, for even the the miniature people. You have you know okay, this is what we're looking at, and then you kind of like go into the nitty gritty. Um, and usually, the special effects are only included to a certain extent. And in this film, it's probably one of the first times that you know historically that I've seen. You know there are there are story actions and special effects going on in the same shot. Oh yeah. Which didn't happen regularly until the sixties. I mean, star Wars was one of the pioneers of that. So, you know, you're seeing a totally different thing. Yeah. I mean like the, that whole scene they're they're on display. They're doing little things in the background while he's talking and giving exposition. Like it's, it's so great. And like, you know, I don't want to skip ahead to the lab scene yet, but like that's, that that's a whole other <laughs> the filmmaking aspects here have definitely improved quite a bit uh because a lot of it in the first movie was kind of locked down uh it had it was like more artistically driven with the with the visuals mm-hmm. but holy shit like just so many things about like the technique have improved in like the 4 years in between these movies i was thinking while I was watching it, like, I wonder what it must have been like to, you know, have lived in that age and to have seen something like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, I'm sure that's not the first thing, but it, it had to be close to it, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and also, I guess, like, all of the characters' designs, like, it was, it's all such a new-looking thing. Like, the the updated makeup for the monster. Yep. Uh, like having like burned, you, like he's, his hair is all burned mm-hmm. off and you can like see like bolts you didn't see before. Right. Um, that, that his makeup is so great in this movie. Um, while a few like physical attributes of, uh, uh, performance wise have kind of been lost. Like in the first movie, you get a very, like this sense of like his whole body is like numb. Like his hands are moving around. Like they have no feeling in them in the first movie that's sort of getting lost in this one but it's less about that now more about the humanization of the monster and like holy shit does boris karloff just continue to make this performance amazing he fucking nails it talk once he starts learning to talk once he uh is like you know interacting with people and like you can he can speak uh his emotions it's it's i'm gonna say right now this is my favorite out of the three um uh that we're talking about today but yeah man no he's he's so great once again just talking about good actors uh dwight fry like we said is in this movie again and he's also great in this one uh probably even better than uh, he was as fritz in the first movie even if he was a 
different character in this movie. He's still great. He's still <laughs> he's still the same type of character, and it, it's he's just still, a better yeah, performance. He's, he's literally, yeah, he's a lab assistant, but they give him more crazy things to do. <laughs> uh, real quick point. So you were talking about just a second ago how in the first movie he seems kind of numb and not all the way there. Uh, I It doesn't touch on this at all, but I kind of had, like, just a small theory that maybe, you know, the brain that he has now is it's starting to actually it's like starting to actually kick in. Maybe everything's starting to kick in a bit because otherwise, I mean, not that he could talk fluently, but he mm-hmm. could he could understand people. He was picking things up pretty yeah. fast, and um, so like maybe it was his brain like kind of starting to function more. Right, and you think about like how they were like in the first movie when they were talking about how the brain in the lab was so corrupted yeah maybe it actually wasn't that's kind of like the whole point people see something you know like bad or monstrous when you know Mm -hmm. deep down they could be just fine right exactly and like you get the you get the blind man scenes in here in this movie that's my favorite Uh, scene it's my favorite fucking scene it's so good Mm -hmm. and like you know obviously you kind of you kind of laughed because like obviously i haven't seen this one i knew it was in this movie but uh I, I know more of the blind man from Young Frankenstein. Yes! <laughs> so, like, you just see him, like, bringing a cigar close to him. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I had that in the back of my mind. But, no, it really is just, like, the sweetest, like, nicest scenes of the movie. And it's, like, it's a nice, it's a nice little uh, reprieve from <laughs> the end of the last movie, basically. Right, because, you know, he's just this... Very, very lonely, but kind man, mm-hmm. you know, who can't see. But even, and and you think, oh, he can't see. If he could see Frankenstein, he would be repulsed by him. But I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he, he just takes any stranger in, and it's kind of them. He feeds them. He shows them friendship. Um, he praises them. And when those two guys, like, came in from the woods and they're like no this is the monster he's made of dead bodies you know he did he's just like no that's my friend yeah uh, like it did not face him whatsoever so great so um that was my favorite part about it then uh like because like just talking about like uh the monster trying to um you know communicate with people and like try to try to find friends uh like he just keeps running into all these fucking stacy's who, uh, you know, all they want is, like, some big, you know, jock Chad. They don't want, you know, they don't want uh, Frankenstein's monster. Right. But but it's okay, because, you know, their, their IQ probably isn't high enough to, like, appreciate, like, Rick and Morty's humor. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know, he, he's probably better off alone anyway. I, so, with this particular story, I think that where I got lost, because I loved a lot of it, you know, I loved the amazing sets, which were, you know, eight times better than the ones in Frankenstein. Um, they were much more unique. I, I also liked a lot of the symbolism. I liked, you know, the techniques that we talked about, but, um, there's one thing that I, I had a hard time getting over and I feel like the story was kind of split in two or maybe three different types of stories that, um, I didn't know how very well they meshed together. And for me, I think that was just because it, in a lot of ways, was more of a tone-led drama than it was a horror spe- uh, horror suspense kind of category. Sure. Um, and you know, you have you have one movie with a humanized Frankenstein's monster, and you know, it's part slice of life and part discovery of self. You know, and then you have this yeah. other that has a conflict between Pretorius and Frankenstein. And that has aspects of, you know, your typical psychological thrillers. And, you know, it's highly introspective. But I just, I feel like they clash in a lot of, uh, in a lot of scenes. I think there's two different themes going on at the same time. And they find a way to bring them together. Like, the, you know, because the monster stuff is just sort of carrying over from the last movie and expanding upon it. Right. Whereas, like, yeah, you've got this different thing. In, in a sense, like, the, the themes are still carrying over from the last movie when it comes, like, to the questions of, 
um, is what they're doing right. And, like, by this point, you're thinking no. But, uh, like, when it all comes together, like, I, I, feel, I feel like once the monster becomes a part of their story, it ends up working very well. And I've got to say, like, moving on to the ending here, uh, the ending is literally perfect. Uh, at, at least from where I stand. You liked the because ending? Because I fucking loved the ending. <laughs> okay. Uh, because, so, like, they're they're creating this, like, artificial heart, and this heartbeat uh, starts coming from the machine, and it stays in the background for, like, the rest of the movie once it's introduced as sort of this driving beat in the, in the score, basically. The editing, the cinematography, the production design of that of the lab scene where they're bringing the bride to life, is literally perfect. They're like sweet. They're like sweeping shots of the lab. I have no idea how they did it. Cameras weighed like a three tons back then. Right. So that scene in particular is where I is what I draw from when I say the filmmaking has improved so much technically. Um, once he like so once. They, uh, you know, the bride rejects him. We can talk more about the bride here in a second. Um, once the bride rejects him and, you know, he's, he's getting ready to pull the switch and he lets Henry and Elizabeth go, like, my jaw was on the floor. Uh, the line, we belong dead, uh, just like, it's just so good. And then the castle blows up. Uh, it's it's spectacular. <laughs> it's it's every it's everything I wanted out of this movie, and it delivered it to me. I like, and I also went in with the knowledge that the bride wasn't going to be in it very much, so that might have helped me as well. But like, just everything about that that third act, I loved it. Uh, so I'm guessing you disagreed with me. <laughs> um, just okay. Weirdly enough, I didn't care for the ending. I really didn't. I felt that it was a contrived tragedy. Um, it took all the all the worst parts out of, uh, you know, like some sort of Greek drama and then, like, you know, put it on screen. But, I mean, obviously we disagree, and that's fine. Um, but, you know, like, I just... When he's like, no, you go, uh, you live, we belong dead. And I was just like, really? Like, that's it? Like, that's... <laughs> That's that. I mean, they they had been hinting that you know, no, because like he there there was a point b before that I thought was pretty you know profound, which was you know that that he liked being dead and that uh you know now that he's alive again it's just miserable right and so like when when he was making that choice to me it like it was know, a catharsis. And, uh, it was a catharsis, not only like for himself, but like he's sh like you know he's got to be pretty sure that she's gonna feel the same way, and Pretorius is just a sack of human shit, so he, he deserves to die. <laughs> but uh, go ahead. yeah, well, because I mean the thing is, there was like a point in time where Pretorius kind of like explains what he is. You yeah. know, because before that he didn't he didn't understand he didn't understand that he wasn't like anyone else uh, you know like he could barely function much less think so once he starts to like realize you know I mean he he doesn't have like a family like he, he feels like he probably can never have a wife or mm -hmm. you know because I mean it's called Frankenstein's bride but yeah. it, she's not meant to. I mean, be his bride, or like, yeah. I mean, you know, they're literally all he wants is a friend. Right. right. That's all he wants. And, and I think he also wants someone to relate to, someone yeah. to, like, you know, feel at least somewhat similar to. Mm -hmm. um, but they're just experiments, you know? Right. Like, they, Pretorius went in with the, the idea of, oh, can we keep humanity going? Can these, uh, you know, uh, two humans mate now that we've made you know brought them back to life yeah. uh you know it, it's just a big old experiment he doesn't care about their emotions mm -hmm. or anything else and i mean she is just like you know completely confused and mm -hmm. like wants nothing to do with anything because she has an artificially made brain as well right. so like in, her, in his mind it was supposed to be like a perfect one 
Whereas, no, it's like she's just got an infant brain uh, in an adult woman body. <laughs> like Right, which is how, honestly, I mean, I don't necessarily think Frankenstein has, like, an infant brain, but I think half the time he thinks like a child. Yeah, no, like, he's, he's more of a child than an infant, for sure. Which is crazy, because it's like if you put his mind in a child's body, and it's like if you, you know, just watched what he was going through throughout all those, you'd be like, this is so fucked up. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Um, so that was just, that was crazy, but I really loved it. I really loved, like, seeing that. And I loved her design. Yes. I thought she was so pretty mm-hmm. because, I mean, you know, I, you just see cartoon versions of her or Frankenstein. And she or, looks like Marge Simpson. Yeah, she right. looks like Marge Simpson. <laughs> um, but, like, her makeup was really pretty. Yeah. She had those, like, uh. The, the scars, like, along her. Her chin. Right. It was just, it was so cool. Jaw. Like, yeah. <laughs> not, not her chin. It was so cool. It was, I think it's, it, it is its own. So, yeah. The bride. I have to agree with you there. I think that, um, I think that the, the bride was one of the highlights of the ending. Um, yes. I think that her refusal of, of the monster was just, you know, pretty, pretty spot on to what i was hoping and expecting for yeah. um you know obviously there was a part of me that's like oh they're gonna like turn it into some like you know oh yeah they're monsters together kind of thing but then i was like no that won't happen i yeah. like that he try like you know she is initially freaked out by him and like you know pretorius is trying to kind of calm her down and like he uh the monster's trying to calm her down he's like holding her hand and like yeah she just starts squawking again uh, she's literally like a bird. Yeah. Like, her head like darts around. Um, yeah, no, it's just like, I'm, I'm so glad the way they handled it. Yeah. Just another fucking Stacy dude. <laughs> it was very, um, why can't Frankenstein just get laid dog? <laughs> well, he does in young Frankenstein. He's just got to wait a few years. Yeah. <laughs> just got to wait until the seventies and you'll be a okay. Yeah. Um, uh, overall, Final thoughts here. I'd say the first one's more solid, but the yeah the production value just jumps incredibly. Lots to love here. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it eight point five Jamies. Uh, I'm gonna give it six point five Jamies. I'm gonna give it five, and here's why. I you sons of bitches. Hang on, hang on. I loved the production value of the film itself. I will tell you that. And the cast was better, all of that. But again, the story was just, it struck me a different way than it did you. And unfortunately, yeah. that's why it's the lowest for me. Sorry. So, moving on to Wolfman? Moving on to Wolfman. Or the so, Wolfman, I should say. The Wolfman. Um, so... Man, I don't, I don't really know where to start. This. So I guess where to start with this one is, once again, asking, uh, have any of you guys seen it before? Nope. I haven't, <laughs> no. I, I was very pleased with it, but I, didn't, I hadn't seen it before. I thought I had, but um, I had not. I, um, I've seen big chunks of it. But I have not seen the whole movie. I was under the impression that I did. Yeah, I'd only seen like a few key scenes, and I think I just saw it on uh, TV back in the day. I don't. I couldn't tell you the last time, like when I did see them. But uh, yeah, so this was a this was a, a brand new one for me. Um, I had a really hard time taking notes, <laughs> so I uh, you might have to lead this one more than. Uh, I do, but um, if, if, do you got anything to start with? Well, I just have, like, a really silly note. Um, so when it comes to, like, Dracula and Frankenstein, in my life, those are two big, like, Halloween characters. Mm-hmm. Not that the Wolfman isn't, but he's probably, like, the least, you know, like, when it comes to Halloween, I don't really think of, like, the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. I don't really. think of this Wolfman. Right. So it, it, it'll be something I may start thinking about now, um, now that I've seen something on him. I, so... I, I like werewolf stories quite a bit. Um, you know, 
American Werewolf in London. Oh yeah, amazing. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. That's like one of that's one of my favorite movies. Period. But um, uh, like silver, like Stephen King's Silver Bullet. It's a it's a terrible movie, but it's great. Um, I've seen that too. Huh. That uh, lo- there's lots of good ones out there. Um, I have to say that overall, this one's a little underwhelming, and I'm sad to say that. Um, the the way he looks wasn't super appealing to me. Um, but Lon Chaney, him, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. rather, uh, is a great actor. Oh yeah, and you can't take anything away from him. Um, he's always sort of been like the more dramatically driven of the monsters, like in all the other uh, follow-ups and whatnot. Uh, he's also a, a fucking creep <laughs> in the beginning of this movie uh, because he's either going to visit or like moving in with his father and uh, and he's a voyeur yay <laughs> yeah he uh, the, so they have a telescope and he straight up just looks in this lady's room goes into her shop and says uh, it's talking about the earrings on her on her dressing table. And I'm just thinking, like, what's your pro strat, Larry? <laughs> You're a fucking creep. <laughs> yeah, that one. She's kind of. Oh, sorry. I was going to say that wouldn't fly today. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, like, you know, at first she's kind of like, uh, oh, how'd you know that? When I'm pretty sure you already, like, kind of, t- you know, lady. What more information do you need? He's been peeping on you. <laughs> yeah, but right. she just kind of. Like, you know, I feel like he says other creepy stuff besides just that. Yeah, like, he, she, like, the whole, like, first, whole, the whole first act of the movie is just, like, yeah, really, like, he he's, he's, he's supposed to be charming, but he's really creepy by, yeah. like, today's standards. Um, so that stuff doesn't hold up very well. But, like, his, his performance overall, just, like, like, once he's bitten and, like, you know, he, he thinks he's going crazy and everyone around him thinks he's going crazy like all that stuff is handled is handled really well i thought that it was the most introspective of the three like very much closer to the themes that you find in frankenstein than in the other two that we watched already um just because i don't know like for example insanity versus or sanity versus insanity like an age-old question that you're always going to have, like, some sort of way to present it that's new and fresh, and this was definitely fresh. Absolutely. Yeah. Probably, It probably included some of the more, like, noticeable changes in camera use. You know, like... Sure. Yeah, yeah we're advancing, like, you know, a full decade here, pretty much. Right, exactly. So not only do you have the, the scrolling, uh, scrolling background in vehicle scenes, and you've got... Mm-hmm. Uh, You've got the telescope thing going on, which was uh, yeah. just fun in general. Um, it didn't, oh, yeah. It didn't even have to be, like, uh, it didn't even have to be, like, more advanced. It was just more fun because they played with it. And, you know, you could right. tell that this style was definitely more influenced by, you, we talked about German silent films. Um, this one's definitely in inspired by those a lot more. One, one thing, like, story-wise, I'd say... Gwen kind of disappears for like the second act of the movie. I yeah. noticed, yeah. You were pointing it out, right. and I'm like, where's the, where's the girl? <laughs> yeah, like where's she at? Yeah, and like I I didn't like feel either way about her being gone, and then like when she came back again, it just it just felt like they were trying to force her into the movie. Right, I felt mm, I felt she was a little forced in anyway. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it could have been just fun. <laughs> like, what the fuck was she? Just, like, someone to get him away from the, the well, gypsy tent? Well, I mean, tent. the thing is, she couldn't have been, like, well, I mean, she could have been a love interest, but she was, like, engaged to someone else. Yeah. Or something. And, like, I don't know. She just... They made it a little bit more complicated than they had to. Right. To, to make her a part of the story. And then, so it just, the side effect of that is it just, she doesn't really work in the story. Right. Well, and she's going off at night, like with uh, this guy and her friend. Yeah. What the fuck is that about? Because <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure she said something like, uh, "Hope you don't mind if like my friend joins us," because 
I think, you know, she's like, just in case you try to kill me. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm not looking we... to get raped. Yeah. <laughs> or like her, her friend gets killed. Yeah. Um, the the fr- So it took me forever to figure out, like... I still don't have it figured out. Like, what all happened there? Because it wasn't explained very well initially. So, like, yeah, the friend gets killed by the wolf. Right. Uh, Larry kills the wolf, and it turns out to be Bella Lugosi, the gypsy uh, fortune teller. So that, But he gets bitten by the wolf, so he becomes the wolf man. Because, like, I, I heard, like, about two... I, uh, two bodies being found. But I was like, wait, who's the second one? Yeah. No, uh, as soon as he dies, he becomes human again. That was the thing. Right. Well, I and see, that's the thing. I figured that was the case. Maybe I missed something, but I didn't see the friend getting killed. Yeah, that's why so, he ran over there. Um, yeah. I, mean, I saw her, like, basically her arms flail in behind the tree, but they didn't show her dead. So I don't I, remember. Yeah, I must have thought it was, like, someone else. And then, like... But then, like, it started making more sense to me because, like, uh, like, they imprint on, like, who their next victim's going to be. Right. Uh, and, like, you see, like, the little, like, the the mark of the wolf man on them. When that happens, I remembered it from the earlier scene. I was like, oh, okay. So, like, that, like that's how, like, he knew and that's how he's going to know. So, then, then I put it all together at that point. But, um... No, I was very confused for a good portion of this movie just because, like, some aspects weren't made very clear. Um, I really like uh, the old gypsy woman as a character. I like how calm she is when dealing with uh, Larry. Oh, yeah. And um, how she just she, – she's got it down. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> and probably one of my favorite parts about it is Larry's dad. He's not in it very much, but um, – uh, which, by the way, uh, you know, I should take my score for Bride of Frankenstein down because my favorite character wasn't in it. Uh, Henry Frankenstein's dad, uh, who had like the whistle every time he uh, uh, has a word with an S in it. Uh, he's he's my you, favorite character of the first movie. What are you saying? <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to this movie. Skipping right to the ending real quick. Uh, when he like when he's beating Larry with uh, with the cane. Uh, like in it, it being a mirror image of when Larry killed Bella. Exactly. That is like the coolest. That's like the coolest thing they did. That and like the smoke coming off of him. Oh yeah. Just just so cool. Like a really good, like visual storytelling moment there. So uh, a little thing that um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this or not, but uh, we'll talk about like obviously dracula or frankenstein coming out in 1931 um but funnily enough they don't technically count as horror movies because the horror genre wasn't coined until 1934 right nice yeah and so um this is one of those times where i'm like they're monster movies yeah they're monster movies yeah but this one this one i feel like it fits and especially when you have that ending scene with uh with larry and his dad you know it's just like oh shit this is you know this is how the movie's gonna end <laughs> this is fucking grim dude. yeah <laughs> um it's definitely a darker ending than dracula and if you consider all the different like aspects of main characters for bride of frankenstein it's actually a darker ending than that one too so mm-hmm. it, it definitely has that feeling about it um i thought that it was highly indicative of a shift toward more like twilight zone type uh not only movies but tv you know there's definitely more of a not even just a science fictiony aspect but um you're getting this uh you're getting this stylistic um way of going about the storytelling that definitely fits uh later categories of television so um if you if you made this into a twilight zone episode i'd probably like it even more it's <laughs> just like if you compacted it into like a got a rid of the girl thing got rid of the you know what right. yeah got rid of the fucking girl this would be a great movie well here's <laughs> my theory one? on the girl in particular um if you don't mind i yeah go ahead i feel like and i've already mentioned that this is definitely more influenced by um i can't think of the name right now but you know those german 
dark silent films and the giallo films of uh you know of italy at the time and i think that it's more indicative of the transition to the film noir era especially of hollywood mm-hmm. fashion you can see that in like all the character designs but oh, um, sure. uh, i think the thing is they included a woman because it was part of the formula you know it's like yeah you know, in 1940s, you always have a femme fatale or a woman that, you know, the guy gets in tr- into trouble for. And, right. you know, I mean, she just, she had to be there. It was part of the formula. You're not going to get the budget that you want unless you have that fucking woman there. Unless you unless you got some dame. Yeah. Hey, well, I just, I just noticed that, yeah, you're, I mean, you know, I always hear about, like, uh, Oh, the, the guy's saving the girl, but I never like think about it like, oh no, the girl's getting the guy in, in trouble. Like, <laughs> stupid bitch. <laughs> uh, you don't do. I'm so glad to hear you right. say that because a lot of the time I feel like no, I'm just thinking in this male gaze type way, which obviously Hollywood does that like overwhelmingly so. But right. this is one of those times where it's like it's highly evident and that's highly evident all throughout the late 1930s and the early 1940s is women get men in trouble and it doesn't matter (laughs) if the man's stupid it doesn't matter if the man's like completely heroic he's going to get in trouble because there's a lady involved listen he's just trying to get some hot gash (laughs) and this stupid woman just gets him in all kinds of dumb broad trouble One note that I kind of had on this movie, and I, I fe- I've accepted that this is just kind of within the time period. There's not going to be a lot of, like, blood or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I do wish, like, when it came to Wolfman, I, I, I did want to see someone get teared to shreds. Like, yeah. I just did. He's pretty, he's pretty damn harmless. Right. <laughs> Except um, that he goes for the throat. <laughs> He does go for the throat, but like he kind of just like tackles like I think he tackles like one guy over like in the middle of the movie, yeah. and that's about it. Besides, like you don't really feel the threat of this guy. You, it's more like, like you said, it's more about his inner turmoil, and that would be great. But like no one else is really in on it. Everyone like everyone kind of has the same response. Like yeah, you're crazy, man. Uh, and that's why like I feel like this story is a little bit more dull than some of the other ones. Just because, like, he doesn't have a good foil to go off of. That and, like, the monster scenes aren't as, you know, big and crazy. Yeah. I, so the thing that obviously frustrated you the most probably was still the character design of the Wolfman, right? Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of it. I, I also wasn't, but to be fair, I've seen about a hundred werewolves that look exactly the same like this. You know, yeah, like, and I mean, we've we've also been spoiled by like, <laughs> you know, uh, Rick Baker and or, yeah, uh, <laughs> like all these all these superior ones that have come out since. Yeah, and you know what? That's fine. I am more than happy to watch those also. But by yeah. this time, watching this particular one again, I hadn't seen it before, so I was, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna accept that this is probably one of the worst looking wolf men I've ever seen. And just like right. you, so it didn't even affect my judging of the film, and I guess it should have because you know obviously it was very jarring to, you know, to start off with. But again, for you me, know, it was like, just different. Bottom line, I would say it's still like worth watching. It's worth you know, like pretty much all of these old Universal, at least the, like the first ones of each series, right. are all worth seeing. There are definitely. You kind of give and you take here. I'd say this is like pretty much right smack bang in the middle for it. Like for me, I'm giving it five Jamies. Uh, I, you know, it wasn't like bad enough to where it was like, you know, it was like offensive to me or anything. But like it, w- it also like wasn't good enough to like demand a repeat viewing. I would say like it, it handled the story it was the best it could. And, uh, it just, it just wasn't, it just, you know, wasn't my favorite story. All right. No, I completely agree. And I also give it five Jamie's, um, which I mean, you know, that's, that's not a bad rating. Yeah. That's, that's for, a, that's a C. Yeah. So way to go. Wolf, <laughs> the Wolfman. C's get degrees, Wolfman. <laughs> well, um, firstly, and most importantly, fuck you guys. 
secondly, I give this movie a seven. Seven Jamies. Okay. Um, and I think that I would give it an eight or maybe a nine, except that there's that fucking dame in there. So. Yeah, dude. Women ruin everything. Uh, the women made Dracula. It was awesome. Like, you know, everything yeah. came together, except for fucking Lucy. I hate her, but... Um, you know, Mina, she, she made it, she made it nice, but this one, it just didn't need it, you know? Anyway, I think that does it for these three movies. Um, man, oh man, oh man, oh man. What a, what a great Halloween it has been. And, uh, I'm just so glad I could spend it with all my friends I have here to at the Illumination Cinema <laughs> podcast Let's and you, the you listener. <laughs> fuck the listener too just kidding (laughs) you guys but you you guys make my money so so we uh this is this is the end of the season this is the end of season four of the illumination cinema movie podcast we will be back in december with another new episode and what would that episode be david in december yeah. It will be the Christmas episode. Christmas movies episode. Close, but close Damn but it. you're wrong. But uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We won't there'll be no there'll be no new episodes in November. We'll see you guys in December. Have a have a happy Halloween everybody. Bye. Drive home safe. All right. listening to the illumination cinema movie podcast if you enjoy the show be sure to leave a review and subscribe on itunes or google play for updates on this show and their other projects get your parents permission to go to illuminationcinema.com David, what the fuck are you doing? I was drinking water. It sounded like you were drowning in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I was about to say something, and then you guys said something, and so I just I drank was, some water was while I was if, waiting. Because <laughs> well, I was wondering if, like, you were saying, about to say something, and then I just heard, like... <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, and then never mind, and I drank some water while y'all were talking, because I have that luxury here. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Beth, please, yeah. <laughs> um.